Welcome to the Influential Nonprofit, the show for nonprofit leaders to grow their influence so they can grow their income and impact. Now, here's your host, Marianne Dersh. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Influential Nonprofit. I am your host. My name is Mary Ann Dersh, and I coach and train nonprofit leaders just like you to how to grow their influence, meaning how to get people you have no authority over to do what you want them to do. And in your world, I'm sure there are so many people that you have no authority over that you need to for them to do stuff like your board, your donors, volunteers, community partners, and in some cases, even people you do have authority over to get them to do what you want them to do. And when you have influence, you have everything. You have more money, more time, more ease, more energy. And I'm going to talk today about why I do this influence work. And a lot of it is because I really saw organizations in a lot of struggle. And in the past, I focused really on external messaging. And the more and more I did that, the more I realized you're not communicating effectively internally. You're not going to be communicating effectively externally. And the reason that people weren't communicating internally is because they didn't understand how to shift their thinking and in turn shift their culture into one that better supports themselves and others. And that is why I created this work. And if you have been following this podcast a couple of weeks ago, I did an episode all about why nonprofits struggle. I went deep into five different reasons why that was. And if I want you to tap into that and you can, I, I go really deep into our sector wide, what I see in my work every day, the struggles that I see and why I think they're present. Today, I'm going to shift and I'm going to talk to you about what, what, how to get out of the struggle. How can you get out of the struggle? And if you feel like there isn't even a way out, like how is that even possible? Keep listening. If you feel like, Yes, I know it's possible. I just don't know how to do it. Keep listening. If you think I'm not really struggling, I'm doing great. Keep listening because you're going to know why that is and be able to tap into that even more. All right. So first I want to talk a little bit about me and my situation, because I mentioned before, as my work grew, I got more and more tapped into helping organizations and individuals communicate more effectively internally, interpersonally, so they could do that on a larger scale externally. And by that, I mean like marketing and communications externally. And in this work, what I found was that people were generally trying to solve communication problems or culture problems with strategy, right? So my board won't fundraise. They need a toolkit. Well, that is a strategy that's solving a culture or a communication problem. And guess what? That doesn't work, <laughs> right? Like um, the only thing that solves a communication problem is ta-ta, better communication. The only thing that will shift a culture is a new perspective and a different set of thinking. And so what I found is that people were really hesitant to look underneath what was going on at a strategic like toolbox up high level and go into really the feelings that drive us. And I spend a ton of time, just so you know, I'm coming from, from true alignment here. I spend a lot of time and a lot of money, a lot of energy on my own personal development, on really creating the life 
that I want to live a life of ease and flow and grace. And, and that then I can help others do the same. And also that I am always evolving. I'm always looking for what's the next level of ascension. In fact, you're going to be hearing about this in the next couple of weeks because I'm on the precipice of like a lot of big things, a lot of downloads happening. And the more I, I work with leaders of nonprofits, the more I see that the biggest issue that I felt like I could help address that wasn't being addressed was the mindset, that mindset piece, because you need both. You need mindset and strategy, because if you don't have the right mindset, the strategy won't land. If you have strategy, but no mindset, the strategy won't take. So it takes both, you know, and to, to make this work. So let's talk about specifically how to move ourselves out of struggle. And if you are feeling like burnt out, if you're feeling bummed out, if you're feeling like there's no way out, I'm so happy you're here with me today. And I want to say first that it starts with you. All right. This is really about a reframe from your perspective. So if you could, for me, just open your mind, open your brain, set all your thoughts aside and just allow yourself to indulge in this for a few minutes. There's two ways in which we struggle. The first way is feeling separate, a disconnect. I'm alone. I'm lost. No one understands me. I feel very separate and feel very disconnected. That is one type of struggle. The other type of struggle is when we look outside ourselves for other people to do what we want them to do and to solve our needs and our problems. So let's look at the first part. The first way we struggle, the disconnect, the separateness. Our biggest need as humans is to be connected and connected to a tribe or a group. And so our deepest pain is when we feel disconnected and we feel misunderstood, when we feel alone, and that can be a very deep struggle. The other way we struggle is when we look outside others for solutions, right? If only my board would do this, then I'd be happy. If only I could raise this much, then it would be better. And anytime we go outside ourselves for solutions to problems, first of all, we're giving away our power to those situations because we are wanting other people to come and fix us. Also, like when those things happen, when you raise a lot of money or when you, you know, when the board shows up the way you want them to, you're still not out of the struggle because you're like, wait, because it's still you. And so you're waiting for them to fix you. And guess what? No, it's, you're still you. And so like, oh, well, that was disappointing. And then you kind of get, well, I thought it would be better if this, like, I I thought if I changed jobs, then it would be better. And guess what? It's now it's the same thing. It's just a different I'm having the same struggles, just in a different atmosphere, a different culture, because it's about you. So when you can turn the lens on yourself and say, how am I the supreme creator of my own experiences? How can I take a hundred percent ownership for what's happening to me? It's not your fault. It's not your responsibility. It is your ownership. When you can turn the lens on yourself and say, how am I contributing to my own struggles? That is the first step to relieving them because you're not looking outside yourself or anyone else to help you. I agree the gap between who people are and how we want them to be, right? And you can look at this with like my kids, your partner, 
you know, your, your, your boss, your board, your donors, your, you know, your colleagues, it's, it's the, the gap between who people are and who, who they want them to be. I wish my, you know, board president would be more invested. I would, you know, we, we have these wishes that we want people to be different than they are. And in the work that I do, the influence training that I do, we learn that the best way to move people forward is to understand exactly who they are and accept them and love them for that. And from that place of acceptance, when people feel seen and heard and they feel understood, that's when they start cooperating and that's when they start giving. Unlocking this skill is incredibly powerful. And I'm not going to go too much into that right now, but what I want to say is when you can turn the lens on yourself and say, how am I contributing to either my feelings of being alone or my feelings of wanting other people to solve things for me? If I can turn the lens on myself, then I'm ready to really understand. You know, sometimes we have stories in our head that we believe that are true. And we tell ourselves these stories. Like one of the stories I would tell myself is, um, I'm an outsider. I'm a rebel. I'm an outsider. And what I realized was that's the story I was telling myself. And even when I was included, I would reject the inclusion because my narrative is I'm an outsider. And then I would get mad because I was always felt like an outsider. And so you understand these self-perpetuating stories. And when I could turn and say, is this true? Or is this just a story that I tell myself? So when I can turn the lens on myself, that's when I really become free. I move from now victim of circumstance to creator of my own experiences. And I am the supreme creator of my own experiences. And I think that what I see, and I would love, you know, my emails in the show notes, like, please email me or, or, you know, and there's even a link to book a time on my calendar if you want to talk more about this. But when you can turn the lens on yourself, and say, how am I, if I'm the supreme creator of my own experiences, how can I create better ones? Because I'm going to tell you probably every single person that your organization serves, you're telling them you are the supreme creator of your own experiences. You can be anything you want. Your power is limitless. Yet we turn and limit our own power, you know, and, and, and limit ourselves and what we can do by the stories we tell. So turning the lens on yourself is really the first step to solving the struggle. And the second is, and this, this is going to, this may sound odd. The second is to take your power back, get angry. A lot of nonprofits are run by women. If you um, come from the feminine perspective, we are taught a lot to not be angry, sugar and spice and everything nice. We are taught that if you get angry, then you're considered bitchy or, you know, controlling. And so we're taught not to be angry, but really anger is a revolution and anger expressed in a way that is healthy, not at someone, but just the expression of anger can really be incredibly powerful. And sometimes I even have people and feel free to do this at any time. You, I go, you walk in the backyard right now and say, enough of this. I take my power back. I deserve better. Enough of this. I take my power back. I deserve better. I deserve a board that shows up for me. I deserve donors that give generously and that are committed. I deserve, you know, to work in a place that takes care of me and fills me up and makes sure my needs are met. I deserve, right? Like, what do you deserve? I deserve better. Enough of this. I take my power back. That anger is a reclamation. 
You know, no change was ever made without somebody getting angry. You know, any revolution, any change, societal change was made when somebody said, enough of this, I take my power back. What, however much suffering you have, that's how much free energy is available for you to take your power back. So if you're in here right now and you're thinking, God, this is so awful. It just sucks. I have so much to do and I work so hard. And, da, 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 da. and like, I never get uh, anything done or it feels like it's never going to end. All of those things, like lean into that, feel it all, and then, and then get angry. Enough of this, I take my power back. Our struggle comes from feeling helpless and helpless is a feeling, right? And it's a story that we tell ourselves. So at any point in time, we can change the story. So once you get angry, it's okay. Like I have a coach, her name's Michelle. She's, her name's Michelle Villalobos. Um, Her business is called Superstar Activator. She coaches and trains speakers and coaches like me all over the country. And she must've told me a hundred times, Marianne, like scream into a pillow or go into your car and scream into a pillow. I'm like, oh, and I finally did it out because it's hard for me to make ugly sounds. (laughs) I know, like, but sound moves energy through the body. And when you like, that's why screaming and crying feels so good. And yet we're so hesitant to do it. So I give you all permission. I give you permission to get in your car and scream and like enough of this, I take my power back. And then on the other side of this, once you get angry and once you take your power back, right? Step two, step one is turning, turning the lens to yourself, understanding you're the supreme creator of your experiences. Two, taking your power back, you know, get angry and take that power back. Three, now you can start from this perspective on the other side of that revolution to say, huh, I need to inventory these stories that I tell myself. Are these stories true? Now I can look at this struggle from a different perspective. I can look at it from a perspective of curiosity and observation. How is this happening? Not how did this happen, but how did this happen? And inventory the stories that you believe are true. And then you can say, how can I reframe these stories to help serve me better? Because all our reality is, is a collection of the stories that we tell ourselves that we believe are ultimate truths. So when I did this training live a couple of weeks ago, I had each person who took the training, take a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle, and they wrote down on one side, all the things they believed were good about working in a nonprofit and all the things they believed were bad about working in a nonprofit. And some of the things we talked about were um, like some of the things that they live was you, you get to leave a legacy. You know, it's, it's good to be part of a strong vision it, it, it feels so good, you know, to use your skills to help other people. They had so many beautiful thoughts around like what it was like to work at a nonprofit. Then what was the rough part? And I'm sure you know all of this, um, low pay, low overhead, high turnaround. They, you know, board struggles. Um, the board system is whacked and, and no one has a good board. Um, the constant need to fundraise feels like a burden uh, you're on 24 seven. You, you can't take a break because um, either somebody won't get something they need, a service they need, or you may miss the money. So it's this constant need to be on um, and a constant pressure to ask and a need to put yourself in a position of needing help from others. And, you know, some people who are the helpers, they find, they say, I, it's hard for me to ask for help. Okay. 
So we look at those stories, like, and let's like, it's hard for me to ask for help. Let's look at that story. So if that's a story that you tell yourself, it's hard for me to ask for help. Or like, there's other stories we tell ourselves, like, I'm not a people person, or I hate fundraising, or I hate making phone calls, or I feel like I'm dialing for dollars or, you know, whatever that story is that you tell yourself and you can inventory them yourselves. We can say, how can I reframe this story to serve me better? Because our thoughts create our words and our words shape our reality. Language matters. There's, there's specific la- language matters and how we say things, where our thoughts and our vision goes, that creates our reality. It, it just, it, it just does. And, and if you, if you're going in saying, oh my God, this will never work. It probably won't work. And, and yet we tend to disconnect ourselves from our thoughts and we say, well, that's just my thoughts. That's not what really true. And yet everything, what I teach and what I know to be true is it's all an internal game. It's all an internal game. And that's why I shifted my work drastically because what I saw was no matter what beautiful messaging I could create for you, because I can create some pretty badass messaging. Okay. I've been doing this for 25 years. If your mind set didn't support it, it wasn't going to work. If I give you these beautiful messages of value, how much, you know, how amazing your organization is and da, da, da. If that's not what you internalize, if that's not what your thought matched your thoughts, that brand wouldn't land. So I became part, I, I just like, okay, you have, it's all an internal game first. It's about you and your thoughts. And, and when you own your value, when you can own and stand in your organization's value, that's when those messages will land. So let me give you some very specific tools and ways to reshape your thinking, right? The first is, like I mentioned, inventory those stories. And if you want to play along, I would love for you to just make the line down the paper, tell me everything good, everything bad about working in a nonprofit. And then look at those stories and say, are these really true? How can I reshape these stories to serve me better? And let me give you an example. I had a call with um, uh, uh, some wonderful people and they said, Marian, can you help us? Our organization is dying. And I listened, you know, I have very specific deep listening techniques that I use um, and that I teach. I listened and I said, well, once I understood their situation and validated their perspective, I said, I feel like the biggest gift I could give to you today is to reframe the story you're telling yourself. Because you're saying our organization's dying. What if the story you told was, we're reorganizing to better serve the kids in our program? Now, isn't that a better story? Because if you keep saying you're dying, what do you think is going to happen? And, the, and one of the women on the call, she was shocked. And she said, I'm just such a positive person. I never, never even like would think that, I, you know, she's like, I was saying it as kind of a joke. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's a joke. And I love a joke too. And also we have to be careful because language matters and our words shape our reality. So looking at those stories and saying, how can I tell a better story? Another trick is when we get stressed, when we get struggle, our monkey mind activates. You know, our monkey mind is part of our auto-consciousness or subconsciousness, that pre-programmed brain that is most of how our brain works. And our auto-consciousness wants us to stay safe and stay um, the same. So if things feel out of control, it it goes, um, this is never going to work, da-da-da-da. Like it starts to program you. There will never be enough time. There'll never be enough money. It's going to program you with all these crazy scarcity thoughts. And 
And then you can, you can start to believe that that monkey mind is true. So one of the things we can work on is interrupting the monkey mind. And you can use like a mantra or a phrase or whatever you want. But when you feel that going, 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 like, whoa, stop, you know, whatever pause you can put in, stop, freeze, change, and pick a new thought. And that new thought can be, you know, um, like, um, I am safe and supported. The time, the uh, there's time enough for everything. I have everything I need to be successful. One of uh, to be successful. One of that. One of the ones I use is everything I need is either here or well on its way. So you can pick a mantra like that, and and you can even put it on your wall or whatever. And if it sounds cheesy, don't worry. It really works because all you're doing is retraining your brain. Your brain works on programming, right? Once it's programmed, it's set. And the only way to move past is to reprogram your subconscious. And what that takes is for your conscious brain to to really pay attention to what your subconscious is doing and interrupt the thought patterns, right? And so whatever phrase that you would like, like one is like, um, I'm okay. Everything is, uh, people say, it'll be okay when I say, everything's already okay. I'm already okay. Sometimes I tap into like, I am safe and supported. Like if I'm feeling really out of control, but I interrupt those thought patterns and I've retrained my brain. So now my brain is expecting things to go well. My brain, um, like what if, what if everything was like, if we understood the world that we just expected that the world was always going to work in our favor and serendipity and coincidence and everything working out was just our birthright. What if that's what our brains did? Now, can you imagine if you had a brain like that, how much less you would struggle? Oh my gosh, you know, and that's what we're all working toward is an acceptance of that money, energy, people, whatever you need can flow to you easily. And if you're in that space, if you can train your brain to do that, then you got everything and and, and nothing's going to throw you. And as we learned during COVID, you know, we, you, like everyone was so thrown by that. And yet most people did just fine. We're stronger and more powerful than we ever would know. And we, we tap into that. And sometimes we forget. And that's cool because then we just have these tools like these mantras to tap back in. So one is the mantra. Taming the monkey mind through a mantra. I'm going to teach you two more things to help you reduce this. Three more things to help you reduce the struggle. The second one is a philosophy called Parkinson's Law. And you can Google this. But Parkinson's Law was developed by researchers who are looking at why stuff took so long, like why bureaucracy developed. And what they found is that work takes as long as work is given. So if you give yourself two weeks to work on that project, it'll take two weeks. If you give yourself an hour, it'll take an hour. We tend to extend things and make them more complicated to fill the time allotted. One of the women in my program, her name's Kylie, and she's amazing. And she shared with me this great story. She used to be a reporter and um, she would have to lay out 22 pages one day, one day a week. She laid out 22 pages of this paper. And one time, I guess they had one edition that was shorter and there was 10 pages and it and took her eight hours to lay out 22 pages. It took her eight hours to lay out 10 pages. That is a very real example of Parkinson's law or it takes as much time as it's given. And you'll spend as much time as you have. So if you say that's going to take me three hours and you do it in an hour, and then you may think, wait, did I shortchange this? Should I? And you're going to go back into it and maybe make it more detailed when it didn't really need that. 
So work takes as long as work has. And sometimes when I'm really busy, I'm like Parkinson's low. If I have an hour to two or 30 minutes to put that presentation together, I'll get it done in 30 minutes and I'll find the ways around it. I have a client and she is recruiting people into this training program. And she's like, I have a week to get them in. And I'm like, then, and guess what? You'll get them in in a week. If she, if, if she, and she really simplified the process so that she can move people into this program. And like, but if, if it was a month, that process would have been a lot more complicated. So Parkinson's law work takes as much as time as it has, as, as you give it. And in fact, Kylie, my, my client, she was in some deep struggle and we using the tools of, of the theory of Parkinson's law, the next day she gave herself a certain amount of time to do some and, and um, put the most important tasks first, got through the things that she was, um, what we did was we put the most meaningful tasks first. So what, what were the tasks that were going to give her the biggest impact and let's start with those. And I, that's the way I structure my week. Like what are the biggest things that would make the most impact? And I do those first. And then, you know, and then she got all through the, through those and guess what? Took the afternoon off, <laughs> and which is awesome because sometimes when we struggle, we're like our bodies and our brains are saying, take a break, take a break. You're like, no, no, I can't, I can't. And really it's okay. And, and one of the mantras that I have is nothing that's meant for me will pass me by because like nothing that's meant for you will pass you by because you went on vacation or you took an afternoon off or you didn't check emails at night. Like, I promise you nothing that's meant for you will pass you by because you, you know, took a, a you were, you weren't feeling good and took a couple of sick days. Nothing's that's meant for you will pass you by. And that, that's one of the mantras you can use as well. So Mantras of Parkinson's law. And now we're going to talk about equanimity. Equanimity means that I can hold two things to be true at the same time. And when I teach this, I call it the Ellen DeGeneres paradox because our culture spends a lot of time trying to decide if Ellen is mean or Ellen is nice. And really maybe she's both because she's a fully formed human being and we're all the things, right? We're, we're, we are productive and not productive. We're fast and slow. We're mean and nice. We're all of the things we're, we can be all of those things. And we don't have to, our brain spends a lot of time trying to decide is this good or bad? Is COVID good or bad? I don't know. What if it just is that there's good and bad to it. And there's really, you know, we don't have to decide how we think about things. I can hold space for both things to be true. I can hold space for that program was great and it could use improvement. And both those things can be true. Am I good at fundraising or bad? Am I a good leader or a bad leader? What what if you're both? What if you're all? Sometimes you are and sometimes you aren't. And when we tell ourselves stories like, I'm not good at raising money or I'm not good with people or I'm impatient, that becomes how we define ourselves. And there's no space for anything else to come in. There's no space for anything else to jump in. You say, I'm a judgmental person. Okay, what if you just reframed it and said, sometimes I'm judgmental, sometimes, because in the sometimes isn't always, always isn't never, that sometimes then leaves the door open for another part of you to emerge. Because I believe that people are whole, nobody's broken, everybody's perfect the way they are. When people work with me, I'm not fixing anything that's broken. You're perfect how you are. 
It's just bringing these things out of you that you didn't either knew existed or had, had pushed them away. So if you can say like, you know, I'm not good with people, or sometimes I find it hard to relate to people. So that's really, that's something you can work with then. Cause then sometimes you can, and until you open your mind to that possibility, no amount of training, you know, people skills is going to drop in. If you have the story and you believe the story that you're not good with people, or if you believe the story that, you know, your board won't listen to you. Like sometimes my board isn't responsive. Okay. Now I've opened the door so I can hold space for sometimes my board is responsive. Sometimes they aren't. And when I give myself the possibility that they can be responsive, I'm sending out a whole new signal into the world. So the equanimity is really important to reframe our thinking and reframe our stories that we tell ourselves. Procrastination is one that I really, I think is a really important reframe that can help you relieve your struggles. People say, oh, I procrastinate. Or you can say, sometimes I power down with a mindless task to get myself ready to do something very productive because that's really what procrastination is. We, we ju- Procrastination is a judgment that this is not productive time and we should always be productive. Instead of saying part of my process is I do something mindless or something that requires less mental energy and, and so that I can bring my full mental energy to the task ahead. What if you told yourself that story and forgave yourself for procrastination, just made it part of your process because whatever we set our mind to, whether it's good or bad, that's where our attention goes. So if we say, I don't want to procrastinate, then what we're actually doing is inviting more of that in. So our brain can't process a negative. Our brain doesn't know how to process a negative. So if I tell my kid, don't run in the street, the kid's brain goes, my kid's brain goes, run in the street right? So if I say, I don't want to procrastinate, our brain goes, let's procrastinate. That's what it lands on. So instead I could say, stay on the sidewalk. Hey, let's walk on the sidewalk. Okay. So my brain doesn't, doesn't even think about the street. Our brain can't process the negative. So if we say like, I don't want to procrastinate, what we're doing is inviting the procrastination. So one of the things is that way you can redo that is to just say, today, I want to stay on task, right? Like that's different. Or you can say it like this, like for the next hour, I'm going to stay focused and then I'm going to take a break. Or you can say, I'm going to, um, you know, scroll on social media for 10 minutes to clear my mind. And then I'm going to get to work. You know, however you can reframe that to serve you better, because wherever your thoughts go, that's where your intentions go. And that's where, that's where your behavior will follow even if it's something you don't want. So if you're saying, I don't want, like I want to exercise because I don't want to gain weight, like then you're, what you're centering is the weight gain, which is what you don't want. So if you're like, I exercise because it makes me feel good and it allows me to be more connected to my body. That's a whole new perspective of something that you do want. So just in that reframe, that equanimity of holding space for two things to be true and of reshaping those stories to serve us better, can go a very, very long way to relieving the struggle. So I told you about interrupting your monkey mind with a mantra. I told you about Parkinson's law and I told you about equanimity. I have one more thing to share and that is some tricks of language. I would love for you to absolve these three words from your language. 
trying still and finally. Like I'm trying to raise $100,000. I'm trying to get my staff to do this. I'm trying to get my board. That language then is telling your brain that you're in struggle. If you would say, I'm working on better relationships with my board. I am working on more responsivity from my team. I am working on, or I am in the process of, or even I am. We're working on raising $3 million. We're in the process of, or we are. We are raising $3 million instead of we are trying to. Because we're trying to, that again, that subconsciously our brain attaches to trying. Then trying means can we or can we not? We're not sure. And that again, that perpetuates struggle. Just these little tricks of the brain can help you so much. The other little trick of the brain is, oh, hold on, before I do that, and still, and finally, I'm still looking for new board members. I finally got that gift. That's that's being judgment. Like I'm still, as if it should have happened already, or I, or I can't believe it took so long. Things are going to happen when they're going to happen. And just accepting the divine timing of things and, and not really wanting to have judgment on when things happen but on just allowing them to happen when they will can go a long way to relieving the struggle. So when we say, I'm still doing that, that again is a judgment that something should have happened already. And that perpetuates our mental struggle because and our mind says, oh God, it, sh- it should have happened. Why isn't it happening? Blah, 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 blah. So removing still and finally and removing trying and from your, from your verbal and your written. I would start with the written because you can catch it easier. Like in an email, we're trying to, or any anything, just stop with the trying to. You are, you are, or you're in the process of, or you're working on. No more trying, finally, or still. And the last one is replacing the but with an and. So when somebody says, Marianne, your hair looks so good today, but, and you're like, what? And your brain goes, when it hears a but, your brain stops and automatically goes into instinct, fight or flight, defensive mode. But because you're waiting for the other shoe to fall, you did really great on that project. But so this is also about equanimity. This is how we can communicate equanimity. And like in improv, it's all yes and yes and right. Like it's it's about holding two things to be true and allowing those thoughts to flow together. It that was I have so much support, but not enough to you know hire a new person. I have so much support and not enough to hire a new person. I'm not negating anything. I'm I'm holding both those things to be true. And what using the and does, it allows you to not dismiss what is good or what's working to, to what isn't working. And it allows the other person, whoever you're sharing information with to receive that information. So if I would say to somebody, oh my gosh, I loved what you did on this project. And also I have a few areas that I think could be better. How do you think that person is going to feel? They're going to feel really open to what you have to say. I said, you did really great on that project, but there's some stuff we need to work on. Now you've just negated the first part of what you're saying. And in a sense, it's that becomes an untruth. And then our brain locks all. And now our brain is trying to figure out, is it good or bad? What are they saying? But they can both be true. Right, I, 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 they can both be true. So, so trying finally still, and then changing your ands to buts, and then another little trick of language is sometimes we use 
my, like my board, my team, my staff. And that causes a lot of ownership over their behavior and over um, their outcomes. Then you can say the board, the team, our staff, it creates a collective. You know, Jonathan, um, who's been on this podcast in the past, Jonathan Krause, and one of the things that he would say, my board, my board, my board. And I would say, how about the board? Because when you have that possession of it, it's hard for them to be their own body, be their own thing and have their own identity. And even just those little shifts of when I say the board, that means I'm separating them from me, allowing them to be who they are. When I'm saying the team instead of my team, I'm separating them from me and allowing them to be who they are. And that, that just that little trick of language then allows my perception not to them to be an extension of me, but me can look and see who they are for, um, to see them for who they are. Again, our greatest pain in relationships comes from between who people truly are and who we want them to be. When I work with boards and teams, one of the things I'm doing is tapping into who, who boards truly are, like, who are you really? Because they want to be seen and valued for how they appear, not not who we want them to be. And once people see, feel seen and valued for who they are, and they, they, you know, they feel like you're really valuing them for their true gifts and expertise and talents, and you're allowing those to shine, then they're going to be way more open to doing some things that maybe they're not so comfortable with. Maybe that they need a little bit of more support on, but they're not going to work with you if, if, they, if that doesn't come first, because all they're feeling is the difference. All they're feeling is the gap. I'm not showing up the way she wants me to. And I, and I don't know how to fix that or change that, but I know there's an inherent disappointment under there that's keeping us separate. So I hope this reframe helped you struggle. I'm just going to recap really quick for you. One, there's two ways we struggle. We either feel separate or we look outside ourselves for people to relieve our struggling. The easiest way and the quickest way to relieve the struggle is just to turn the lens on yourself and say, if I'm the supreme creator of my own experiences, how am I contributing to my struggle? Because if I, all you have is you, you those people are going to do what they're going to do. All you have is you. How can I reframe my struggle and look at myself and see how am I contributing to my own experiences? How do these patterns show up for me? And then reclaim that power, right? So then I'm going to... Step three is reclaim that power. Enough of this, I take my power back. Enough of this, I take my power back. And then step five is reframing those stories and those thoughts to serve you better from that place of empowerment and possibility with things like the mantras to interrupt your monkey mind, Parkinson's law, the principle of equanimity where I don't have to decide. I can just, two things can just be. And the tricks of language of trying finally still and replacing an and with a but and reframing um, the my, the possession and ownership of things with our and the to allow them to be a little more distant for you. And so you can have a perspective that's not tied to your identity. So that was a lot. I hope you got a lot out of this. I, I'm, I'm sure you did. Like I, I really, I really hope this relieves some struggle for you. If you want to talk more about your specific case and how to relieve your struggle, I would love to talk with you. I do. I teach a course. It's called Uplevel Your Influence. I take nonprofit leaders from all over the country. I put them together and we work on this stuff for six weeks. I'm starting the second week of September, right after the 
for those of you in the U.S., the Labor Day holiday. And it is absolutely transformational. I just finished a class last Thursday. Oh my God, it's so amazing. Like this is the best stuff I do. I love teaching this. And I have watched people go from frustrated, struggling to like queens and leaders and, and having so much grace and ease around what they do. And they're able to handle situations and and problems just melt away. And, and literally this woman said the other day, and I don't want to get, I, I, actually, you know what? I am going to get this. I'm going to, I'm going to share this story because I feel like this is really important. She said, I had a board member and the board member was so angry and I used the techniques I learned in this class and it, it went away. Like I, I resolved it with, and, and she felt seen and heard it. And, 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 and then as she said, I would have handled that so much differently before I would have, pushed back on her anger and, and told her, you know, and she said, and, and, and so what I teach is really how to resolve conflict in a way that is powerful and productive and gets more done. And so you're having less cleanup conversations. You're having less tension. You're able to move people again, people you have no authority over. You're able to get them to do what you want them to do more easily. And so I just witnessed these beautiful transformations. If you're ready to step out of the struggle uh, it really just starts with a conversation with me in the show notes. I have a link and I have something called a, uh, an exercise I do with people called the flow finder. And when you're in flow, that's when you're doing what you love and you love what you do. And when you're in flow and you can put the people around you in flow, that's when the magic really happens. And so we'll just talk about where you're at, where you want to go, what the gap is. And we're going to use this little tool called the flow finder to give you some value. And, you know, and I, we can talk about the course. And if you think you might be interested, I'd love to hear from you. Whatever you decide is totally okay. I just would love profit leaders who are ready for a new path. I know there's so much more I can do and be. And, you know, I have to tell you, I have a lot of magic and there's so much magic and power in the group and every member of the group um, sharing and supporting each other. You'll get needs met. You didn't even know you had. So that's it for me for this episode of the Influential Nonprofit. I'm so glad you listened. And I'm, I, I hope today you are going to be relieving your struggle. I will be featuring many more nonprofit leaders and professionals and to sharing the stories of their leadership journey with you so that you can learn new ways and get some inspiration and some techniques. And if you haven't already, you can go to the Influential Nonprofit.com and download your Uplevel Your Influence Starter Kit. Some of the principles that I talked about today are included in my ebook called Stop Sitting Back and Start Making Change. And then there's two other really cool tools in there. One is a, a difficult conversations guide and one is a mindset piece. It's like a way to un- read and understand the mindset of the person that you're listening to so that you can tap into that and, and you'll be able to position what you have to say in a way that they'll hear. All right, y'all. I will see you very soon on the next episode of the influential nonprofit go out there and make more good thanks for listening to the influential nonprofit with your host marianne dersh if you enjoyed the show please tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast also check out the influential for more resources on growing your influence so you can raise more and do more